Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club. It is the doomsday scenario for the Los Angeles Lakers who suddenly can't stop losing and won't have Anthony Davis back for at least a few more weeks. I'm Bill Oram, joined as always by Jovan Buha. Jovan, uh, how are you faring in this uh, in this absolute uh, dearth of victories for the Lakers? Personally, I'm fine, but my mentions <laughs> are a mess. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I tweeted out the the Frank Vogel quote last night about him defending his decision to close the game with Mark over Trez and and how uh, you know Mark's size and, and defense were, were needed against Robin Lopez and the the drives of Russell Westbrook and, and Bradley Beal, but. Uh, my mentions turn into a disaster after that. And it feels like Laker fans, uh, you know, it, it's divided right now where half the fan base has the the big picture perspective of they're going to be fine. They just need to get into the playoffs. And, you know, regardless of seating, there's nothing to be concerned about. And then there's the other half of we need to make a trade. We need to sign somebody. We need a new center. Uh, and, and, you know, there's something wrong with this team. So uh, it has been a, a wild adventure uh on twitter right now my advice in almost all situations always is just chill y'all it's gonna be fine um yovan let's talk about uh the news of of the day or the news of last night after the game uh sham sharania of the athletic our colleague reported that uh quinn cook has been waived by the lakers um opening up a roster spot saving the lakers a little bit of money uh the hard cap obviously coming into play um what do you think this means for their roster going forward? Do they have? Do you think they have plans to bring in another player? You know, obviously, Demarcus Cousins is on his way out in Houston, and that is, uh, you know, there's a logical connection there. Um, although there doesn't seem to be any indication that the Lakers would be interested in bringing him back, nor is there a logical um, fit. Uh, what? How do you view the Quinn Cook decision, and and what do you think it means? So the the Quinn Cook decision uh, gives the Lakers two open roster spots. And they are now 1.75 million below the hard cap before they were about $913,000. So it doesn't sound like much. You know, it's about a $830,000 difference, but uh, th- that adds up. And, and, you know, once you're over the luxury tax, every dollar counts and, and is multiplied depending on how much you're over it. So um, the, the Lakers now have the option to sign a guy to a 10 day contract. Uh, they also have the option to sign a guy to a rest of season contract. Uh, now they do have to sign a player by March 9th if they are looking to sign someone for the rest of the season. Uh, so that that is something to keep an eye on of, you know, they don't have to act now, but they do have a, about a two, two and a half week window to add somebody um, if they are looking for, you know, down the road. Uh, and then starting on February 28th, they can sign two guys to rest of the season contract. So that, that's some of the, the book, uh, you know, the bookkeeping stuff with the Quinn Cook deal. But to, to your question, I think that this clearly means they're going to sign someone that, uh, you know, they technically could bring back Quinn uh, on a 10 day contract and, and save some money on that. But I think looking at the roster, uh, th- there is a need, in, in my opinion, 
for either another 3 and D wing, someone with a little bit more size. I think they're undersized on the perimeter with KCP and, and Wes Matthews um, or a, a more defensive minded center, which DeMarcus Cousins is not. So uh, I've been on the record the last couple of podcasts saying that I don't see the fit there. I don't think it makes sense. Uh, you know, Laker fans are constantly clamoring for a, a JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard type. And, and that is not DeMarcus Cousins, um, you know, as, as Kelly Eco of The Athletic. Uh, you know, wrote and reported a couple of days ago, like Boogie's defense has been an issue. It is a primary reason why the, the Rockets moved on from him. And uh, for the Lakers, you know, if you, fans are complaining about Marcus Soule's defense, I think the Marcus Cousins defense is even worse than that. So I don't see the fit or connection there. Uh, but but I do think this is was a smart move. It gives them some flexibility. And, uh, you know, whenever a guy hits the buyout market, be it uh, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, or, or whoever else, uh, you know, kind of hits the market. Like, I think the Lakers are at the top of that list along with the Brooklyn Nets as, as the most desirable destination. So I think, you know, as tough as it is to, to lose Quinn, you know, he was a beloved figure in the locker room, a, a guy who, you know, had buy-in from LeBron and AD and, and those guys love him. Um, he, he was not, I think at this point, uh, you know, a rotation player for, for this team and, and a rotation caliber player. So I think the Lakers back end of the roster could use some improvement. And this is that first step in that direction. So if you if you could add one guy to the roster of, of all the people you're talking about, let's just assume Andre Drummond is not going to be available on the buyout market. That that still feels like a pie in the sky dream to me, although I, you know, I suppose anything's possible. Um, who would be the guy who you think is likely to be bought out, who who you would target and make and make your priority if you were Rob Palenka? For me, it would be Trevor Ariza um, or, or someone of that ilk. Uh, again, I, I think looking at the roster, there isn't much I'd tweak, uh, but I, I just think that them having another wing defender with some size and athleticism and length, uh, again, like looking at who they're going to have to face, be it Kawhi or, or PG or potentially in the finals, you know, KD. Um, I think they just need one more wing defender with some size where right now, if you're looking at those matchups, it's kind of all on LeBron, AD and Kuz. And I would I would just like another guy as, as kind of an insurance um, because KCP and, and Wes are, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and they just don't have that size to match up with some of the bigger wings. So I, I think that would personally be my preference. Um, if they're looking for another center, which I think, you know, a, a lot of the fan base wants, Dwayne Dedman is a guy that, that's been out there. Uh, for, for me, you know, if you look at his last couple of years in Atlanta, you know, basically been an 8 and 8 and 1.5 blocks type of guy, like, I think there's some rim protection there. There's some three-point shooting. Uh, he, he's a good rebounder. So I think he's a guy that I would personally target. But I think we got to see who hits the buyout market because there, there's a lot of, you know, like, is George Hill going to hit the buyout market? I think he's a guy that could potentially help. It is, you know, Trevor Ariza again, um, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Like, there are, I think, potentially some high-impact guys that you wouldn't expect to hit the buyout market. And if one of those guys becomes available, then I think I'd prioritize one of those. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jovan, let's talk more about the center position because last night, the game against the Wizards, obviously I think we would agree was the most inexplicable loss of the season for the Lakers. 
even with no Anthony Davis and no Dennis Schroeder, you had a situation where Montrez Harrell was really having the game of the year for him. He had 26 points, which was a season high, looking very much like the sixth man of the year you covered with the Clippers last year, but he couldn't get on the court in overtime. And down the stretch, he was really unplayable, I think, in the eyes of Frank Vogel um, because of his defense, because defensively he was no match for Robin Lopez and, and, and the Wizards. And what does that say about the state of the Lakers center position where, um, you know, Marcus Gasol has been, I think, been a bit of a disappointment. And then you have Montrez Harrell, whose defense is just as bad as, you know, the rest of the league seemed to fear when we saw kind of his value tumble in free agency last year. It was sort of cast as... He's a defensive liability against Nikola Jokic, but, you know, he's good enough to compete, you know, in most other matchups. Is that true? I mean, what's your confidence level in Montrez Harrell and how does that factor into any conversations about adding another center? And I guess more broad, not just Montrez, not to just bash Montrez for his defense, but what's the state of the Lakers center position in your mind? I think it's better than the fan base has acted. And, you know, I get it. Fans are, are passionate and, and the team is, is going through a rough stretch. So the center position, I, I think, has been the weakest link in the rotation. But yeah, I mean, I think it's been illuminating that with AD out, we kind of expected Montrez Harrell to have a bigger role and his minutes have actually declined. He was averaging, you know, 24, 25 minutes pre-AD injury. And since then, he's been averaging only 20 minutes a game. And it's kind of counterintuitive because, again, you you thought that, you know, you, you need more energy without AD. You need more scoring. You need more of an interior presence. That's more Montrez Harrell than Marcus Sowell. Yet it's actually been the opposite where Frank has leaned more on Mark and his rim protection and defense. And again, I continue to beat this drum. Like I think Marcus Soul is better defensively than people give him credit for. His mistakes are egregious. Like they look really bad on film and he doesn't always pass the eye test, but he's blocking shots. He is defending the rim at a reasonable level statistically. And, you know, some of the defensive numbers back that up of the Lakers are better defensively with him on the floor. So, you know, yes, are there multiple drives a game where someone gets by him in a pick and roll and gets a layup and it looks really bad? Like, yes, but that also happens to Montrezl Harrell. It has been, a you know, a testament to Frank's lack of confidence in, in Trez defensively that he hasn't closed games with him because, again, like, that had been a thing earlier in the season where, you know, I had wondered, you know, why isn't Mark out there in some of these instances? Or why aren't they just going to 80 at the five? And Frank was testing out Trez in closing lineups. And he's gone away from that recently. So that to me shows, as you're kind of implying, he doesn't trust Trez defensively. And he has not opted to close games with him. And, um, you know, he said that in the nicest way possible last night by saying that, he wanted the bigger guy against Robin Lopez. And you know, Robin Lopez did score a few times on, on Trez in the second and third quarters. And, um, you know, I think Trez, uh, he blocked him a couple times. And, you know, I mean, Trez did have 26 points, so it's hard to go away from that. And I think maybe he did deserve a shot at the end of that game. But I don't think it's as black and white as people are, are making it seem to be because, I don't think his defense has been much better, if better at all, than Marcus Soul. And, you know, maybe the offensive impact negates some of that. But I think the Lakers are in a tough spot, to, to be honest, because I don't see an option out there. When everyone says add a center, I'm like, okay, well, who are you adding? Like, even Dwayne Dedman. And where do they play? And, and when do you play them? Yeah. Like, what scenario is Dwayne Dedman playing a difference-making number of minutes? And then, you know, I think one thing you have to factor in is, I think Mark and Trez are both proud players, right? Like, I think Mark, if I don't know if you've noticed this, but some of his comments, you know, when people have asked him about his his decline or his minutes, like 
he kind of scoffs at that and is like, I, you know, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. You know, I'm, I'm still playing at a high level. I, I'm just here to help AD and LeBron. And like, he does not sound like a guy who is looking at himself on like the back nine of his career. Um, yeah, and facing and, you know, down sure his basketball mortality. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a part of, of him coming to the Lakers, you know, was starting like, you know, similar to Dennis, Dennis being, uh, you know, candid about wanting to start. I'm sure for Mark, that was important. You know, it was important for him in Toronto. So looking at, kind of him and, and his perspective on his career. And, and then Trez, who obviously is a six man of the year candidate and uh, a guy that, you know, wants to play and, and wants to play a lot of minutes. Like, I don't see how adding a third center in that mix doesn't upset that, that dynamic and, and potentially offend one of those two. And of course, at the end of the day, you know, the Lakers want the best team possible. And if an Andre Drummond is available for whatever reason or, or JaVale or, or you know, they uh, finally decide to add, you know, Dwayne Dedman, like they'll have to figure that out. But I just don't see a clear guy who is an upgrade over those two. Uh, I think that, you know, the solution ultimately is just going to be play Anthony Davis 25 to 30 minutes at the center spot in the playoffs, have that other, you know, 20 to 25 minutes split between Mark and Trez, depending on the matchup. And that should be good enough to get by most teams. But in the regular season, especially without AD, it is an issue, and I don't really know how they're going to solve that, barring uh, again some type of you know impact guy hitting the buyout market. Which, uh, and, until that happens, you can't just rely on that. I mean, I suppose there's always a scenario where you could be super aggressive on the trade market and do try to do something with like um, Montrez and and KCP, you know, to get to get you know an impact player back and completely reconfigure your roster. But let's not get too carried away. The Lakers with at full strength you know, had the best record in the NBA for, for the first couple months of the season. And I know the schedule wasn't, wasn't as, as tough as, as, you know, to maybe give you a complete picture, but the Lakers were, were absolutely rolling when they, when they were at full strength, um, you know, top defense and, you know, top five offense, that's all fallen off. I mean, that's all completely plummeted, but how much of that is a function of them, you know, playing, you know, playing hurt for a while with AD, Missing AD over a couple of games before he re-aggravated the Achilles. Um, maybe a little bit of fatigue. Uh, you know, the Lakers played really well on that road trip, that seven-game road trip in, to the East, and then came home. And basically, February has been a disaster where you've got three overtime games that you're eking out victories, but that's taking a toll. Um, you know, I just think this is a team, and this gets into the other conversation that we need to have today, Jovan, about LeBron James and and his fatigue level and whether or not it would be the right thing for him to rest some games at some point because I just feel like this Lakers team, when you consider really the toll of everything that they've endured since the fall of 2019, starting with their trip to China, it has been nonstop uh, for them. Really? Uh, you know, they go to China, they come back, you know, they have the best record in the league. Then you have the, obviously the tragedy, the tragedy with Kobe Bryant, which is a different kind of adversity, uh, from for, for, for a basketball team that we're used to talking to, but that took a major toll on the Lakers. Um, the shutdown, you know, obviously everyone endured that, but then you get to the bubble and you, and you outplay everyone. You, you, you're on top of the mountain at the, you know, on October 11th, NBA champions, and then a six week off season. And then you're back doing it all again. There hasn't been, I know that there was a break in the sense of, of the hiatus. And certainly that was a good time for everybody to physically reset, but you know, that's basically the only time, uh, you know, since October of 20 or September of 2019 that the Lakers haven't been going full tilt. 
And now you're staring down, you know, another 40 regular season games before you get to the playoffs. And LeBron is playing 37, 38, 43 minutes in losses. And last night after the game, LeBron James was asked a question about basically who keeps him honest uh, when it comes to whether or not he needs to rest. And he turned that into a forceful, forceful speech about why he's not going to rest and he's not going to sit out games and how the most important thing to him is is being available to his teammates. And and to me, I think what, what went unsaid or went unanswered is why it is worth risking not being available to your teammates in the postseason so you can be available to them now in the middle of February. And, you know, I'm not somebody who thinks that you need to shut LeBron James down. I'm not somebody who thinks that LeBron James is fragile and can't handle this workload. He's shown over 18 years that he can. But this situation is also so unique in that no one has ever had to play this much basketball, you know, this condensed of a schedule, you know, after such a short offseason, after a season that stretched 13 months. This is just such a unique situation. And I wrote this today. I wrote a whole story about this. So if anyone's interested, they can read it at The Athletic. But um, eventually the dam will break. Eventually LeBron James will not be able to go out there and do the things that we are, have grown accustomed to seeing him do. The things he did last night in 43 minutes, 31 points, 13 assists, and nine rebounds. Um, eventually he's going to he's gonna start to slow down. And I feel like if you're the Lakers, you want to do whatever you can to not accelerate that slowdown. And we don't know what's going on with his medicals. We don't know what his recovery looks like. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You know, I was talking to Kyle Goon from the Orange County Register about this last night, and he made a great point. I mean, he is he is a billion dollar entity. You know, he is you know he is the most he is the most closely watched you know you know asset in 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 sports in terms of his durability. So I mean, I don't think the Lakers are being reckless by playing him. I just wonder if they shouldn't be more proactive and find opportunities to to get him a breath. And listen, I look at this game against Utah on Wednesday as one where just leave LeBron at home. LeBron's been on the injury report for two months, ever since opening night with a left ankle sprain. He's been he's been probable for two months. You know, th- this is the perfect opportunity for the Lakers to say, you know what, that ankle's acting up. It's bothering him a little bit. You don't have AD. You don't have Schroeder. Utah's the hottest team in the league. You're playing at elevation. You know, one game road trip. Leave LeBron at home and go take that loss. I know you're sliding in the standings. I know you need wins at this point, but I don't know that two nights after he played 43 minutes in overtime, you need LeBron to go out there and play 35 minutes so the Lakers can lose by 10 to the Jazz. It just, it just to me feels a little bit like a fool's errand. And LeBron is so proud and the Lakers will do whatever they can to support LeBron and make sure he's getting what he wants out of this season. But I have a hard time imagining him being the fresh, dominant LeBron that we're accustomed to seeing in the middle of July if he just keeps going like this. If he plays 72 regular season games, which, by the way, would just be a remarkable testament to his durability, which is just unmatched. But if he plays 72 games and then goes into the postseason, I would be worried about him having an inopportune swoon. I was with everything you said until you you mentioned losing by only 10 in Utah. Like, that that is going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> um, but, I mean, seriously, like, I, I don't see how you look at the way the Lakers have played the last four games and have any semblance of confidence that they can beat the the Jazz with the way the Jazz are playing right now. Like, the, I mean, they just hit a franchise record 28 threes, which, you know, with the way the Lakers have been shooting lately, uh, they'll be lucky if they get 10 uh, against Utah. So I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I mean, looking at it, he's third in total minutes played. 
Uh, he, he's 17 in, in uh, 17th in minutes per game, but you know, obviously the, the the minutes played is the the more important figure. And looking at the rest of the top 20 on Basketball Reference, there are only three other guys that are 30 years old or older: uh, Dame Lillard, Steph Curry, and Nikola Vucevic. Dame and Vuce uh, are are 30, and then Steph is 32, but. Everybody else is in their 20s and, and frankly in their prime or, you know, you got guys like RJ Barrett, who's, you know, what, 21, 22. Like, so at 36 in year 18, like this is just unprecedented, not from just a production standpoint, but from a minute standpoint. And LeBron should not be averaging 35 minutes a game like that is just too many. And it's admirable that he wants to, to punch his clock in and, um, you know, put on his hard hat and, and, and help the Lakers on a nightly basis. But you know, to, to your point, like for what you, you guys are losing and, um, you know, all, all minutes, uh, you know, aren't created equally. He, he's playing some of the, the highest usage, highest energy minutes. Um, you know, I, I think it's affected his defense recently. Uh, I, I think he, he's, you know, kind of fallen back on, on that end. And I, I know I said that last week on the pod and you, you made fun of me for <laughs> trying to be diplomatic with it. But like, yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the film, like, he's not helping the way he was earlier in the season defensively. Like there are a lot of times LeBron is the the low man uh, on the help defense and he's not rotating over. He's just letting that guy, if they get by Mark, if they get by KCP, like it's a layup line and it should be LeBron as the last line of defense. And he, he's not doing that. So I think it has affected his three-point shooting. I think it's affected his free throw shooting. I think it's affected his defense. And we are seeing a, a worse version of LeBron this last week week and a half and then to kind of top it all off though um you know the the lakers are really struggling as we wrote with him off the court and it's it's only gotten worse uh during this stretch of that ad so i have the numbers here on the floor while ad has been out the last four games lakers are plus 4.9 points per 100 possessions with with lebron on with him off they're minus 21.3 so they're getting just destroyed with LeBron off the floor in, in these, you know, 10, 12 minutes. It's a 26.2 uh, net rating differential. And it, it's just been, it, it's been really bad. But uh, again, like they're still losing regardless. And I think with this upcoming stretch, you have a couple winnable games if you play your cards right. And, and I, I think to your point, like they should rest them against Utah. And if they don't, they're still going to lose by 20, 25 points. I think, I think it's going to be a, you know, a blowout. And I just don't really see the value in, in having him travel, having him go there, you know, just to lose like that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really a, a pro rest guy and, and just like this guy needs to rest all the time. But I think this is a unique situation where the upside is just very limited. And I, I just don't see how they beat Utah with or without him. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Listen, I mean, I, I wouldn't count the Lakers out. I mean, they have they have a lot of firepower, you know, as Frank Vogel likes to remind us. I mean, there, there are guys who can get hot and, you know, any team in the league is capable of having an off night. You know, we saw it a couple or last season. Somehow this was still last season that this happened. The Lakers didn't have LeBron or AD and they went and won back to back games at Houston and OKC. So it can be done. It happens. But, you know, you do have to kind of read the room a little bit and, and be honest about your current circumstances. And I think the, the Lakers know all of this. I mean, they are not they're just not fooling anyone with their proclamations that it's totally fine and that we're just evaluating game by game. They understand they have a, a situation on their hands, but, you know, they're not going to reveal that to us in, you know, a, a five minute Zoom call. So despite the the amount that, you know, the Lakers said, I actually still wouldn't be surprised if LeBron ended up not making the trip to Utah. But um, it, I, I think chances are he'll play, he'll be there and he'll go balls to the wall for, I mean, maybe, maybe he doesn't play 35 minutes in this one. Maybe he only plays 28 because the, the Jazz pull ahead by that much. But I just do think it's, it, 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 it makes me worry for the long term when you see LeBron having to do so much just so they can beat Minnesota by eight and just so they can lose to the Wizards in overtime. I mean, being, being short on a free throw is not rock solid proof that a player is tired. But that is generally a pretty good sign, especially in the 48th minute of a game. And LeBron shooting that free throw short with nine seconds left that would have put the Lakers up by one. Um, to me, I th- that was the easiest call of the game. You know, I was sitting there, you know, talking to another reporter and it's like he's going to miss this free throw. Not because he's a 68 percent free throw shooter or whatever it is, but because he is tired and there's just it, it just it just takes too much. So. Um, I don't know what you do when he's not going to have an all-star break. You know, he's not going to be able to have a getaway from the game. It's a challenge. And I think this is the sort of thing that, you know, we might look back on at the end of the season and say, yeah, in total, these two years were just too much. The Lakers might have been the best team this year. They might have had the most complete roster when healthy. But, you know, the circumstances were too much to overcome. And we, we might be sitting here in July watching the Clippers and Nets in the finals and saying, of course, this is how it was going to go. Like it was obvious with what we saw from LeBron in February and the fact that they only had a six week off season. Um, but so we might be living something that, you know, will look very, you know, cl- will look clear as day in hindsight. But right now it's still kind of murky and we're trying to find our way through it. So, uh, really interesting times for the Lakers, Jovan. I mean, really interesting. I mean, we, we talked about the Lakers being so boring 
uh, over the first month and a half of the season because they're just so good. Such a complete roster. LeBron as MVP candidate. That's a whole different conversation. Is this stretch going to uh, damage his MVP credibility or his, his candidacy? I think yes. Um, a lot more to get into, and we'll and you'll keep talking about it post game on on the the, the post game episodes of the Forum Club, which you've been doing an awesome job at uh, every night. If people are subscribed to this podcast, they're seeing those as well. Please make sure you're checking those out. Yovan's answering your questions uh, post game, and we'll be writing about it at the Athletic. I mean, a lot of stuff. Yovan mentioned uh, the story we did together on LeBron's uh, off court minutes, what those look like. You know, a ton of uh, good data there to help you kind of understand the, the, the fuller picture of the Lakers. Um, but until next week, uh, I'm going to end, end the forum club here. Jovan, uh, any final thoughts before we sign off and go to Utah, at least mentally and emotionally, if not physically? <laughs> I'm sure you'd love to be there physically. Um, what's your prediction for the record uh, over the next five games before the All-Star break? It's Utah, Portland, Golden State. Uh, who's Phoenix. the other? And then Sacramento with the Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think, I think, I think three and two would be awesome for them. I don't, and I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't, I don't see three and two in that stretch. I think that would be a, you know, a great recovery for them and a great turnaround from losing four out of five. Uh, I think you just want to maybe try to try to win two of them uh, would, would probably be a success the way things are going. Although if Dennis Schroeder does come back on Friday against Portland, I don't think you can overestimate the impact of his return because while AD being out is obviously the headliner, Dennis Schroeder makes it so much easier to play with LeBron off the, off the floor because he can be not only the playmaker, but also kind of your, uh, your lead scorer. So I think Dennis, getting Dennis Schroeder back could change the whole calculus. We're in agreement there. I I, I think they're going to go two and three. I think they probably win the, the Sacramento game, lose the Utah game, and then win one of those Golden State, Portland, Phoenix home games. Um, so two and three, not ideal, but you know, it, it kind of is what it is at this point. They're, they're trying to tread water. And quickly, I, I just wanted to, um, massage people's concerns. So looking at it right now, Marcus Sol is leading the team in uh, defensive field goal percentage at the rim. I mean, technically Wes Matthews, but he's not really playing enough minutes and he's not a rim protector. But 57% allowed, uh, that is best among the bigs. So I, I think people clamoring for, for Mark's defense, uh, you know, it's not as good as JaVale's 50% last year, uh, but it's better than 80, better than Trez. So um yeah, I mean, that, that, that's something there where I think Mark's defense has been a little overblown uh, how bad it's been. Great point. And with that, we are going to sign off. Jovan, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week on the Forum Club.